our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. Hey, I'm Sarah Bivens. And I'm Matthew Bivens. And this is the Doing It at Home podcast, the only podcast dedicated to empowering, loving, and honest conversations around home birth. What started as a fun way for us to document our own home birth journey has turned into a platform for sharing birth stories, resources, and education with the goal of empowering mamas and families to make the birth decisions that work best for them. Plus, we get into the antics, breakdowns, and breakthroughs of our own experience of marriage and parenthood. All right. You ready, babe? Yep. Let's do it, mama. Hey, doing it at home, family. What's going on? So today's Saturday. Normally on Saturdays, it's an episode of Matthew and me, Sarah, hanging out on the mic, talking about some cool stuff. Uh, But that is not happening today. It's a special episode because it is a continuation of our last episode, episode 156, where Matthew chatted with the man behind the camera, the creator, director of the birth documentary film, These Are My Hours. So if you have not listened to that one, highly recommend pausing, listening to that because it sets up some great context and blends really well with this conversation because today is my conversation with Emily Graham, the mama the subject of this documentary film that follows her in the labor and birth and immediate postpartum of the birth of her daughter, Ramona. And so we get to learn more about Emily, a little bit of her background and some history of her previous births, her entrance into birth work and as a birth attendant, uh, some of the details of what it was like to have your birth on a documentary film and to have a very full film crew in your home during that experience, and some of the response and what has come up in her life since doing this project and since being a part of this, this film. These Are My Hours, you guys, is an amazing documentary that I highly recommend checking out. To learn more about it, go to thesearemyhours.com. And also, if you use the code BIRTHISRAD, birth is rad. You'll get 30% off of your rental uh, when you purchase that. So go do that. Watch this film. I'm telling you, Matthew and I sat down and watched it together, and it was just such a powerful ooh, experience that got me on so many levels. And just I felt connected to my birth, to Emily and her experience of birth, 
so many things. So I can't recommend it enough. Um, we are such supporters of what they are doing and feel so much alignment with the whole thing. So uh, thank you to Scott for the vision and for the project and to Emily for being this beautiful mother goddess that we can all witness in this experience. And uh, we're just so grateful to them that we could have both of these conversations and bring them to you and spread this message and create more awareness around it. So before we hop into my conversation with Emily, I have to give a shout out and gratitude gratitude to our sponsor of today's episode, Milk and Honey Breast Milk Jewelry. So Milk and Honey is two mamas just doing their thing and being awesome at it. And one of them, the founders, is a doing-it-at-home mama, actually, Maria, from one of our episodes way back when. And uh, they've created this company to offer women an opportunity to commemorate their breastfeeding journey in a really special, really unique, really cool way. So how it works is you send them a sample of your breast milk and they create handcrafted, custom-made pieces of things like rings, earrings, necklaces. Uh, I have a ring and it is my milk in a stone. And it's just the coolest thing to look at, especially since we've just moved out of the weaning process. And I'm just so grateful to have it as a way to remember that bond and that time in my life that was very mentally, emotionally, spiritually, physically uh, demanding. And I have this little thing to remember it. And it's it's just a su- super cool process. Um, it doesn't have to be fresh milk. You can use milk from your freezer. So mamas that have been storing or may not be breastfeeding anymore, but have that on hand, you can send them that. And it's just super simple. You ship it off. They make you your beautiful pieces and they send it back to you. And uh, they can also use uh, placenta, dehydrated placenta, or even locks of hair from your little one and include that in the piece. So go to milkandhoney.jewelry. That's milkandhoney.jewelry. Remember that to check out everything that they offer there. They can also do custom pieces that you don't see there on the site. And when you use the code D-I-A-H, you'll get 15% off your order. So remember that D-I-A-H for 15% off your order. Okay. Into the conversation with the woman herself of These Are My Hours, Emily Graham. Hi, Emily. Welcome to the Doing It at Home podcast. How are you? Hi, Sarah. Thank you for having me. I'm really good. I'm just so excited to be here today. Uh, I'm excited to have you and to get into some powerful, awesome conversation here. I'm really honored to have you on the show because um, there's there's so many juicy layers that we're going to get into here. Um, but before we do that, why don't you just share a little bit about yourself and your family? Okay. So I'm Emily. I am a mother of four children, and we live in South Carolina, in Greenville, South Carolina, so up near the mountains near Asheville, not by the ocean. Um, I'm married to Jason. Um, We have been down in the south for about six years now, and we lived up north before, so as you'll hear my story, um, you know, we had a couple babies, and then we moved. Uh, I have been in birth work since the birth of my first child in 2008. I really, I couldn't put the books down, you know, (laughs) after the baby was born. 
I found myself like rereading the birth partner and rereading Ina May's guide to childbirth and um, gathering more books that I hadn't had during my pregnancy. And I realized when she was about six months old, that it was more than just a personal interest that I really, I had such a great experience. I felt called to walk with other women. So Mm. I asked my midwife if I could work with her. And I went straight into an apprenticeship, having no experience in healthcare or midwifery, except of course, my own childbirth. And I worked with her for a few years and um, moved down south. I studied with Wapio for two years. Many of your listeners might know who she is. She's an amazing midwife and educator. And I studied midwifery with her. And Mm. now I attend births in a variety of capacities. Sometimes I'm a doula. A lot of times I support people having home births. I support women having free births. Um, Yeah. Mm. So it has been over a decade and the evolution has been very exciting. Um, and it's, uh, I can't see myself ever leaving it fully. Even after I stop attending births one day, I'll probably always work with women and mothering and, you know, healing our mother wound and all of that. Yeah. Gosh, that's, there's so much of that that I love. First of all, that you, you kind of tie in your entrance into birth and motherhood and how that played a part in that that inspiration, that movement, that calling into what you're doing now. And then also to reflect on that time, you know, 10 years in the birth world, I feel like with a lot that has um, come into play, particularly around social media, technology, the ways in which we communicate and the ways we're able to share information, you know, I feel like the, the birth world and the energy around it has shifted so much. Have you experienced that? <laughs> yeah. So uh, my first social group, I guess, I guess it could be called early social media back in 2008 when I was pregnant was a Yahoo mail group. Wow. (laughs) Anyone who's listening is that old, but, um, yeah, we started like an attachment parenting group, all the women in the area who were pregnant and, um, you know, we're going to follow these, uh, parenting philosophies. So we got together and we're having our first baby. So it was very quaint. You know, we would get together and rub our bellies. And there was a couple toddlers, but um, far more adults than children. Mm. And we would meet in our living rooms and we would connect through this email group. And so to see how far we are from there, you know, now people are sharing their birth videos um, and attending one another's birth like live on video. It's just a world away. And I think it's really, it's been fun to watch it evolve. And I think it has been so monumental for the normalization of birth that we can see it everywhere across media now. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Absolutely. And you in particular are leaving a big imprint, I would say, and creating a huge opportunity through your most recent birth, which, you know, we talk about how birth can now be shared. It's documented in a film for people to to see and to experience the the magic, the intensity, the truth of of birth and I know we're going to get into that a little bit more in a minute but it's pretty cool how it's evolved to that point. <laughs> yeah, it's been just such an honor to participate. Sometimes I can't even wrap my head around how grateful I am, how cool it is that I have this opportunity that I really did that, you know, mm. my midwife and I sometimes are like, "Oh my god, we did that together." Yeah. Like, that's really happening. Um yeah, it's just been mind-blowing and wonderful. Oh, and the film that we we're talking about to reference listener is These Are My Hours. And we're going to get into that real quick. Just one more second. I want to take one more step back and learn from you, Emily, before your first birth and before that uh, emergence into birth world, what drew you to home birth? Or did you always know that that was what you wanted to do? How did you come to that decision for yourself and then you and Jason, your husband? What was that? Sure. So uh, my mother didn't ever fear birth or didn't tell me any horror stories about mm. birth. She she has three children. I was the first and I she was medicated with Demerol against her will or against her knowledge, I guess wow. I should say. And um, she really disliked that. And so her next two births, she did naturally at the hospital. And she thought being pregnant and having uh, giving birth and having a newborn was all just wonderful. She really loved that time in her life very much. And so I grew up knowing I would have children really looking forward to it. I would put pillows under my shirt and stand in front of the mirror when I was very young. <laughs> it just, uh, it was never a question for me whether I would have children. And, and I also didn't fear the process of giving birth. I didn't think much about it you know, like, how does that happen? How does the baby like go in and get out? Um, but I didn't have any fear either. It was just like, you know, something that my child mind didn't process at all. And the first time in my adult life, I was confronted with birth was a friend of mine from high school who had all these midwifery today magazines. And she showed them to me. And there was all of these black and white photos of like these mostly like hairy vulvas and babies <laughs> crowning. And I was like, whoa, that is like, I just, I, maybe I just turned 21. And I was like, I don't know. That seems like maybe too much for me mm. right now. Or just, it blew my mind that mm -hmm. there were photos of this. Um, and I didn't really think much about it. I mean, I thought it was interesting. I looked at them a little bit and uh, just moved on with my life. And a few years later, I had a friend who was unexpectedly pregnant and she had a friend who was a doula. And so her friend kind of introduced her to the midwives and she decided to have her baby at home. And like the second she told me what she was planning, it was like, that's what I'm doing. Mm. 
it was not even a choice. I don't remember thinking about it. It was like realizing you know something. Like, oh, now I remember that I was going to give birth at home. Like, that's how simple it was. And I never thought about it again. That was just it. I was just going to go, I was going to have my baby at home. So I had no partner, no plans to have children. It was another like four or five years before I had a baby. But um, when my now husband and I first were together, and as we got to the point where we decided we wouldn't to try to have a baby, I was like, oh, by the way, <laughs> the baby's going to be born at home. Like, really, it's not uh, a conversation that we're going to have as far as if it's going to happen. I really hope that you're cool with it. Mm. But I kind of have already decided that's what I'm doing. And he was cool with it, luckily. I think he was a little bit nervous. Um, he lived in a small town. I don't know if anyone had ever had a baby at home there before. Um, the midwife had to, had to drive from very far away. Uh, but he was great. He kind of just trusted that I knew what to do with my body. Mm. And um, yeah. Wow. And it was, that's how I got there. It was very, it was like, it was very easy for me to get there. It was like, you know, it took a long time. It took my whole life, these little pieces but none of it was a challenge. None of it was a big struggle or wrestling with, you know, letting go of these things I had learned about birth. Right. Um, it was very fluid. And I'm just, I'm so grateful because I know that's not the experience for a lot of women. They, you know, start off with fear in childhood from stories or, or whatever. Um, yeah. And so I, I really didn't know how grateful I should be until later when I started talking with women about their own births and the fears they would bring in, mm. I realized how much work I didn't have to do to just get where they were to, you know, to go towards birth without debilitating fear. Right. Wow. And now you get to be that possibility, you know, through your work, through oh, conversations, yeah. through just who you are as a mother. And now with this project, this, I, I don't even really know what to call it. Like when I was thinking about getting on with you, like how I would introduce you, like the star of the film. And I'm like, no, she's not really a star. I'm like, if like anything, Ramona's the star maybe. And I was like, or the subject <laughs> of a documentary. That's normally how it's referred to. I'm like, you're not a subject. Right. Like there's just no words for it. Whatever you are, like it's just an energy is more of what I feel about it. But you being at the center of this story, this, this experience that was able to be captured so exquisitely so beautifully through a camera lens and now it comes together as the as the thing that is these are my hours I mean all of that to say how did how did this come into being like how did this come into awareness and how did this thing get co-created from your perspective okay <laughs> <laughs> yeah so that was actually it was fairly easy too. Although I had, after I had had my third child, we kind of thought, well, you know, three kids is a lot to raise and, you know, fold into our lives. So mm -hmm. perhaps we are complete with our children. And it was really hard for me to feel good about that. I had, like, I did these ceremonies where I like released and thanked my womb and like all this stuff. And I just cried. I kept asking people, how do you know that you're done having kids? And I didn't really 
I didn't notice that what I was telling myself was that I wasn't done right for quite a while, for a couple of years. I just really, I didn't, I didn't hear that for myself. And so I eventually did. And I talked to my partner about it and we kind of agreed after a bit of talking that we would have another child. And, and like within a couple of months, I get a call from this woman I had been in school with Wapio with. She lived in Asheville and we were, uh, we were students at the same time. And she was a friend of Scott's and he had decided he was going to make this film. And I'm sure that Matthew and Scott have talked about the, the history of how Scott mm-hmm. got into this because mm-hmm. everyone always wants to know. Right. How right. Right. And you're referring to um, Scott, the yeah. creator you know, producer yes. of, of the film. Scott right. Kirschenbaum. Got it. He's the director of the film. And he did an interview with Matthew earlier this week. So yeah. if you haven't heard that, you should start there. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so he decided finally it was time to make this film after, you know, a few years of, of, you know, with his toe in. And so he was really looking for, um, for birth workers to inquire if they had, you know, do you have a client who's kind of crazy enough to let me come and film their birth? <laughs> uh, so he was talking to all the, like the midwives and doulas in the area. And this woman, Nisa, she said, Oh, you've got to talk to Emily. And I wasn't really practicing at the time. So it's funny that she thought that I think she probably had the sense that I would be willing to be a subject. Um, if pregnancy was on my radar and it, was it had just come on my radar so when he called I really didn't know what he wanted when he first called I thought we were just going to talk about stuff and so he's asking me eventually after he told me about the project and its history and what he wanted he said so do you know anyone who you think would be interested in being the subject and as he's talking I'm like saying to myself in my head don't don't say in this moment like I think I'd like to be the subject (laughs) give it a like you know maybe the next conversation like don't just start with that Mm -hmm. maybe talk to Jason think about it for a minute you know um but that's not the way I roll so before the end of the conversation I hear my mouth saying I'm interested in being the subject and uh so he was surprised I wasn't pregnant yeah so that was interesting but we we got together and we had tea and we talked about my birth and I told him some birth stories and he thought the way that I told this one particular birth story really took him in to such a depth of being in the room and just the way that I described everything. He said that story and the telling of it is what made him sure that he wanted me as the subject. And so I was very excited, of course, and then still had yet to become pregnant. So... Yeah, just a minor detail. (laughs) Minor detail, which for me had never been an issue. You know, Mm -hmm. I had I had no problems getting pregnant. So I thought, you know, a month or two and that'll be that. And really, I did get pregnant pretty quickly after that, but I miscarried. Mm. And, you know, so I had told them we were all excited, you know, whenever the birth was going to be. I don't remember now. And um, then I miscarried a few weeks later. And so I just held them all and it was a little bit awkward and like no bother. And then it happened again and it happened five times over the course of a year. I miscarried a baby between four and six weeks. 
Um, so they waited a whole year for me to conceive this baby that's born in the film. And it was, I mean, oh, Sarah, that could be a podcast all on its own. What happened over that year with these people hearing about these pregnancies and, and all of the emotions that we all had. And yeah, that, I think, that's yeah. incredible. I mean, yeah, we're going to have to talk again and get into that some more if if you're open because, you know, there is a yeah. moment in the film that there's an allusion to, you know, miscarriage. And I don't, I don't want to get too much into what is said in the specifics of the film because everyone needs to watch it for themselves and have their own unique experience with it. Um, but there's an allusion to that. And I thought, oh, wow, like that's, that's really powerful in this. But then what you just said is is like further context and it just creates this wow like even more like every every new thing I learn about the film or about you or about Scott like just adds this other layer and this dimension to now what we have and it just makes it all the more magical and remarkable um and so valuable for the birth world to have um at its at its fingertips as a resource and as a source of empowerment uh because there's just so much that went into that. I mean, that's, that's an intense process. Yes. And it was really difficult for me to find stories of women who they call it secondary infertility, but what they're referring to when they say that is a person who had one baby and now is having a series of losses. Right. Okay. And so I couldn't find any information on a woman that had had several healthy pregnancies and now is having unexplained infertility and goes on to have a baby. Mm. I couldn't find a story. There wasn't one that I, I mean, of course there are stories out there, but I couldn't find it. Um, And that doesn't, you know, that doesn't feel good when you're, you know, you go online and you're like, someone tell me, you know, the happy ending so that I can latch onto that, please, because I'm fracturing here Mm. emotionally. And to have, to, to be unable to hear a story that turns out with, a baby in arms was Mm. really hard. And so I'm grateful that now there, here is this story. Yeah. Yeah. Someone looking for it. And that space that was held for you to go through what you went through to then come to the, the day and time in which the film takes place. I mean, that I think that speaks so many volumes for who Scott is and his vision of this process and his uh, reverence for women and the birthing process and experience and journey. Um, One that is incredibly refreshing to see and hear and just how he presents himself and who he gets to be in this space, you know, a man um, uplifting and holding that for women and heretofore for for humanity uh, is really cool. (laughs) for lack of a more like sophisticated word is just cool. Right. (laughs) Exactly. And it doesn't, it doesn't, it didn't, he didn't start that way. So when this was first happening, he asked Gracie, his writing partner, his birth story inspired the idea for the film. He said, maybe I'd had a miscarriage or a couple. And he said, how long does it take to get pregnant or something like that? Uh, Like, uh, you know, this very, innocent, like Mm -hmm. ignorant, not in a rude way, but he just didn't get any of that. It was never in his realm of of understanding. His life experience had not brought him into this world. And 
And she was like, well, I don't know. Like what, that's the question everyone asks about everything about birth, right? Like how long, how long do I have to have this labor? How long until I have a baby? How many weeks will I be? And whatever there's, everything is unknown. And so for him to go from that place where he is the standard ignorant human, and it's not just men, a lot of women are that way too, Mm -hmm. even ones who are pregnant. Um, To go from there to today where he can write poignant statements about what does birth mean to a culture Mm. over the course of three or four years, like that means that we can all be saved. All the guys, Mm -hmm. all the ladies, like everyone who doesn't know anything about birth, all they have to do is just listen and they'll get it. It wasn't, that's all he did. He just kept sitting with mothers and sitting with doulas and midwives and um, watching me go through this experience and hanging out with pregnant women and babies and he got it. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, it, it takes that willingness, that uh, patience, and, you know, people to be there open to the conversation as well and to move through it and to break down some of those um, barriers, whether those be um, ignorance or just not knowing or um, whatever sort of programming you might have received in the past. Uh, it's, it's all part of it. Right. So, and to believe mm-hmm. that it matters, right? Right. Like that- just because you're not having a baby doesn't mean birth doesn't matter. You had a birth. 100%. Yep. All of your ancestors had a birth. You carry <laughs> all of that stuff that they passed on and all of the stories that were never told are in our bodies. Yeah. So of course we, it's, you know, of course it's the story for everybody. Yeah. So as your story unfolded and as when you got pregnant with Ramona, and through that pregnancy, what were those emotions and feelings as you healed through that, I imagine, through part of it? And there must have been a mix of things as you continued on through the pregnancy preparing for birth. Yeah. So Ramona told me long before she was conceived hmm. that she was coming. Wow. And she named herself. <gasps> I love that. And so I kind of just knew that it would be her and that she would be Ramona always. And that was the most confusing part about having miscarriages. Like, was it her? Was it, did I do something wrong? Was it like the wrong baby kept coming? Like what is going on here? And so I had these really deep ponderings of the meaning of life and death. Mm-hmm. and these deeply spiritual questions that I was asking um, and a very deep connection with her even before she was physically here, even physically, you know, in my body. And so when I guess there was just some point that once I realized she was staying, there wasn't, I like sank deep into this trust thing mm. with her, like this sense that, whatever was being worked out was worked out and now it'll be fine. You know, of course, knowing that I have to be open to the mystery and the drama that could unfold, whatever that looks like. Yeah. And I, I, yeah, I didn't feel, I didn't feel like there was going to be any trauma Mm. with her, with her coming. Uh, like I felt like our lessons 
<laughs> I was wrong, of course, as we always are. I felt like my lessons were were learned <laughs> in the conception phase, but um, really her birth was a challenge for me physically in a way that my other births were not. Um, I don't know if you want me to talk about that Yeah, now. yeah, in what way? Yeah, okay. Yeah, so all my babies were born at home, and they were all born very quickly. So my first baby was born in six hours from, well, like my water broke, and then it was another however many hours until I had contractions. And then from contractions to birth was six hours, um, which kind of blew everybody's mind. Yeah. Mine. <laughs> um, and it was so perfect. I mean, I would wish that labor on anybody any day of the week. It was <laughs> beautiful. It was hard but not in a way that like kind of broke your head a little bit. Uh, it didn't need a lot of processing. It was kind of like, I don't know, people take, uh, they take mushrooms or something to have like a connection to the divine. That's like their goal, right? Like when they do these things, they, go, they do these ser- medicine ceremonies to see God. Right. And I felt like that's what the birth was. It was like, yeah. there was no bad trip about it. You know, it was just, um, it was just blissful. Of mm. course, there were moments of, of struggle or whatever, like birth brings. But anyway, so it was, it was super great, and I loved it. And my next two babies, my boys, were born in very, very fast labor, so two, about two hours each. My, my second was under two hours, and the third was two hours. And um, they were extremely challenging in the way that fast births are challenging, where you cannot process things as they're happening because they're coming too fast. Right. And um, so it was physically challenging, like just the kind of like the force at which they would blast it out. I felt like <laughs> really I'm going to, I I swear if I look down, they'll just be like two halves of my pelvis. Yeah. Just like <laughs> in the pool somewhere or whatever. Um and, but it wasn't the, the pain and that physical challenge wasn't so bad. It was like, it took me a, like a week to really wrap my head around the fact that I had given birth because there wasn't any buildup. It didn't, you know, it was like transition baby. Mm. And so it was weird. And, um, but then this, so I expected that with this one that it would be fast. And it was, that's another thing that we had talks about, like, you know, with the, with the crew. Right. Like be on standby. (laughs) Which they had to get up in the middle of the night. Like you better be real fast. Mm -hmm. And they had like, they had like these practice scenes, like how the firemen do, you know, like wear your clothes. (laughs) They probably had like their pants on top of their shoes or, you know, (laughs) Um, they were here fast. I think it was under 10 minutes. They were filming when I, after I called. Wow. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so her birth was looking to be like the fastest I had ever had. I, I had contractions that I didn't know were contractions or I wasn't sure for about two hours. And then I became sure that they were contractions. And which is funny looking back. It's so obvious that they were now at the, looking at the footage. But, you know, in the moment, what do you know? Mm. And so anyway, they were not there for too long and I felt my water break and I thought the baby's about to come out because mm. it felt low. And I was like, oh no, <laughs> this isn't going to be a movie at all. Right. <laughs> and <laughs> what? Step into the world of power, loyalty 
and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. So I like, you know, make my way to the place that I have decided I'm going to give birth. And then I am in this pushing phase for so long. And like so long, I say that with like the apology and caveat of like to the people that have like six hour pushing phases. Mm. I know that you are going to have your like eyebrows like down, like whatever. But for me, having a fourth baby where I had never had a pushing phase before, it had just been, you know, those grunty pushes with contractions. Um, so I never had a, like a pushing phase in any of my other births. So to know that the baby is low and ready to be born. And despite these like really intense, powerful contractions, there's no movement downward. Um, it was really hard. It was very painful and it was a head trip in a way that I haven't experienced before. Like I kept thinking, should I be thinking about what is happening? Mm. Or should I just keep doing it? And I kept deciding, no, just keep doing it. Um, yeah, and it was it was very hard. She was in a funny position, and she didn't move for, I don't know, nearly 90 minutes. She was in you know a very low spot in my pelvis and was just there. Um, and I don't know what would have happened, honestly, if I'd been at a hospital and they had been putting their fingers in me and checking where her head was. Mm-hmm. I don't think they would have been very happy about waiting around for a fourth time mom to push for an hour and a half and a baby not move. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, which is interesting because I've never had a birth story before that could have been altered in that way had right. I been in a different setting. Wow. Um, yeah. And, you know, obviously we know she got born, but <laughs> it was it was hard. I don't even know why I was talking about it being hard now. I got so deep into my own story, Sarah. Help me out. <laughs> well, I'm a little curious <laughs> on how the experience of uh, the cameras around you was. I'm sure people are wondering what that was like because, you know, even some home births, you know, yeah. there might be a photographer or there might be, you know, that aunt who like has an iPhone up in your business and things like that. You know, I certainly had a few phones going on me during my birth. Um, but how did you process that? And, and how many people were there outside of your, your birth team, your husband, your midwife, and your mother? Right. Yeah, those are my people. So Scott had his team and he had, I think it was eight people. So it was like a true... Like, yeah, that's a lot a more than I would have guessed. Group. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Some of them weren't in the room. Scott was in the next room. He was in what we called the control room, which okay. was my son's bedroom that we emptied out <laughs> and put all of the really expensive equipment in. <laughs> and I made them buy a padlock and a chain because I have three, I had three little kids. Like, yeah. I can't make them not go in there. We don't <laughs> even know how long you're going to have to be at my house. Right. So uh, with this control room. So anyway, they were in there, the sound guy and I'm probably going to get it wrong. Anyway, the guy who manages the focus on the camera okay. was in there. And his assistant, was. they were in that room. And then there were two camera operators and a boom. Mm. So the funny story, he 
you know, they hold the, like the, the stick with the microphone right. at the end, like from far away and they put it near your face, which I didn't even know was there. I mean, I didn't know any of it was there, honestly. They uh-huh. were so amazing. Wapio came in a couple of days before I gave birth and she told them the story, the holistic stages of birth, that story. Mm. Um, if anyone hasn't read it or heard her speak it, you can look it up, Holistic Stages of Birth by Wapio. And it's really her reflection on watching women give birth instead of first stage is dilation to four centimeters and whatever. Um, this is more what is going on in the pelvis with the baby and the woman's psyche. What does she see? What is the journey looking like at this phase? So it's very beautiful. And she came and she told them this story and she explained to them uh, about altered states of consciousness and the brainwave patterns that women in labor enter. And gave them some direction on how to, you know, remember that just because they're working doesn't mean that they need to be thinking. They need to really get into the vibe of birth, like anyone at a birth needs to, Mm -hmm. or you'll interrupt it. Um, And they did it. Like, they did it with no problem at all. They were, like, the most amazing. Uh, So I didn't notice them, honestly, Mm. at the birth. That's so cool. I mean, Even though they were so close. I'm going to get you a photo of the equipment yes. in my living room so you can put it up on your on your show. It is, I mean, they had to drill into my ceiling and build this rig. This company donated equipment and they designed and built this special system where a camera could like roll back and forth in different directions and, uh-huh. and be brought down to the floor um, all the way down because I was like, you don't need to five feet and up. I'm short. I'm only five, three. So up there, you're not going to need to film anything. And probably you're going to have to film down near the floor. Right. So Gosh. they had to like mock up this thing. And, and anyway, so it was quite the production really in the room. And I did spend a lot of time at night alone in the room, looking at all the equipment and getting used to it mm-hmm. so that it wasn't so jarring to me. But honestly, my labor was so intense. I couldn't bring myself out of it really anyway. Mm-hmm. It was just, no way that I could have like I don't know how people like get up and get in the car like, really I, I don't know how I might have had to be carried mm-hmm. um, it just takes me inward so intensely mm-hmm. uh, yeah and so it was and I know that about myself I've always had a lot of people at my births I want people to witness me but I don't want them to bother me gotcha I don't want to be alone mm-hmm. um and so I thought I'll probably be, it'll probably be simple for me because it'll just be like that. You'll just be, it'll just be like these random dudes mm-hmm. instead of my best friend. Um, but I'll just ignore them the way I ignore her and it'll be fine. And it, it was. Uh, yeah, but it takes, I don't know. It takes a certain strength of labor, first of all, I think, mm-hmm. which I am fortunate to have. And it also takes the trust of the people who are there mm. to I mean, they're really good documentarians because they really had to do that like anthropology thing they teach you in college where you're not allowed to interfere. You just have to witness. Yeah. And like what an opportunity they got, you know, I mean, who knows if they knew what they were like signing up for fully or how many had witnessed birth or, you know, who knows? I'm sure that's all varied. Well, there you go. (laughs) No, they had no idea, Sarah. Wow. I mean, one of them had seen his child born by cesarean. One of them had worked on the show 16 and pregnant or teen mom or something like that. Oh, uh huh. And so he had seen very medicalized 
births at the hospital. I don't know how many, but Mm -hmm. neither of those two would really prepare you for this. It's so different. So, um, and that's it. No one else had ever seen a birth, including Scott. So, uh, you know, the midwife was like, make sure you lock your knees a little when the baby's born because you could go down. Um, yeah. And I mean, I think that was one of the coolest things for me was being able to invite, especially these men, although there was one young woman who had never had a baby. Mm. Um, and actually what she said to me afterwards was, God, I expected it to be kind of gross actually, but the only thing that it was, was just normal. It just seemed so normal. And I thought, well, God, what else do you want? (laughs) Work is done. (laughs) That was pretty easy, Um, which is beautiful. And, but to be able to invite her and these men who might never get the chance to understand how humans are here right in that way like it just I was so I feel so humbled that I got to that it worked out that I could invite people to come yeah and, and I, that they mm-hmm. that they would they were willing that their jobs were to not interfere with me and to just witness because people that are at your birth they usually want the baby to be born yeah <laughs> that's like what everyone wants like let's get to that now like mm-hmm what's taking so long or what's going on now? What's, how's the baby doing? Or it's always about like getting the baby born, which is of course what it's about. But that energy, even just emotionally and mentally is always like pushing, pushing, pushing forward. And the energy of these people were so in the moment because they didn't want me to hurry up and have a baby because they wanted footage Mm -hmm. and they wanted good emotive footage, you know, like as messy and wild as I could be. So, you know, they were just happy for me to be any way that I was. And uh, so really there were better witnesses, I think, than most people because they didn't have any agenda other than staying out of my way and capturing everything that happened that was interesting. Yeah, true space holders and uh, story capturers. <laughs> totally. Um. Yeah. Well, I have to say, watching the film... Uh, I felt like as close as I could have possibly been to being there as as one of those crew members, team members. I mean, that that sense gets created for you as a viewer. Absolutely. Like you are there in your living room with you, with Jason, watching your mom in the other room. And then, you know, at times being like, oh, yeah, there's a midwife there, too. But she's doing exactly, you know, what I experienced in my birth and what I was told from my midwives, like she's doing exactly what she needs to be doing. And the the world that got created in those in that hour that you get to watch this experience. I mean, I think I described it to you and Scott the, the other day as otherworldly is really what it was like for me. And Matthew and I watched it together. And I can't think of another thing in one sitting that I have have witnessed and and been a part of that I one cried so much but but in the sense of the amazing kind of cry that it just brought up these things and you know I felt there there with you I thought about my birth I thought about future births I just everything that it conjures up I was just like yes 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 like the whole time and I like talked at the tv sometimes too or like you know (laughs) I would giggle here and there at certain things or I would it just it created this full immersive um 
almost sensory, you know, I would say that to the degree at which it can, you know, the limitations of you being in a screen and me being, you know, thousands of miles away, but just an immersive experience um, in birth that I feel like everyone needs to have. Um, And then regardless of what you do with that, whether you yourself are a person that will birth or will support someone that will birth or maybe none of those things. um, But like what you were saying, something that impacts all of us, impacts all of humankind, everyone has a birth story or a connection to birth. Why not um, make that a healthy, uh, powerful one through things like this? Yeah, I think sometimes, I mean, just thank you. And it's just, oh, it's one of my favorite things to hear from individual people what has come up for them. It's so touching to me. Like, I could probably list all the things people have said to me Yeah. Uh, at our screenings, the things that they say, this, oh, that's my child. Hang on. Okay. So I think one of my favorite parts about traveling and doing these screening events we've done is to talk with the people in the audience afterwards and have them mention the specific moment that touched them. And honestly, it has surprised me because almost no one talks about the moment of the baby's birth. Mm. Mostly, well, so they do, but mostly women who have given birth have other moments that they resonate with because it brought up something that they thought they had forgotten uh. about their own birth. And a lot of times men will say it's the birth that really got them. You know, the, the birth and the, and the moments after. And I think the, that what I feel like we have the potential to do if this can start conversations is heal the wound that our culture has surrounding mother-baby separation after birth, because that's a huge cultural wound that so many of us experienced. And we don't talk about it. We act like it's not that big of a deal, honestly. And so for, I think for people to see that not happen brings up a lot of emotion around knowing that it happened to them. Mm -hmm. And so I suppose that's why men are struck so much because they, they probably identify with the baby more than the mother. Wow. Um, yeah. And that of course the father is there. Yeah. In our culture, a lot of times the father is not there or he can't, it, it's too much for him or so there's something with that too. And to see that just the ease of it all, just the normalcy of, us being there in our house and having a baby and having nobody interfere with that. Yeah. Uh, letting us claim our own child. Yeah. That, um, um one of yeah. the biggest pieces for me in watching as well, um, that I didn't mention before was the, um, the moments and maybe hour ish plus, you know, I don't really know how the time lapse was, but after birth, post-birth to see that because a lot of times in the birth preparation courses or videos, or even when you do get to see people's home videos, you know, I got to watch some from my midwives who, you know, had like a library of, of births that we could watch. It stopped after baby arrived. And so, you know, hmm. for someone who hasn't experienced birth and I hadn't going into Maya's birth, like I had no idea what those next few hours 
offered or what was in them as far as what would be going on with my body or how people would be tending to me, what, what it might be like, you know, first latch and skin to skin and all that. I had no context for that. So witnessing that, I'm so happy that this film goes into that aspect of the birth experience because watching you in that time after giving birth, that really stirred up a lot of things in me and just thinking about my first few hours and that bubble and and all of that. And then just the way the your midwife was tending to you and taking care of you, you know, like there's the pads and there's the shuffle over to wherever you're going next. And there's your mm-hmm. first shower and there's like your first meal or your drinks. Um, seeing that was just like watching you know, someone tend to, you know, a warrior or a boxer in the rink or something like that, but on a so much higher level of um, just care and reverence and respect for what you've experienced. And um, I didn't realize this and make the connection until after I watched the film, I saw a talk that Scott was doing talking about how much our culture is fixated on, you know, the gladiators and the superhero stories. And those are great, but like, look at the women who are giving birth. Like, look at that. I mean, so that's to, to make that connection right. was just really powerful. And, and the so, superhero yeah. story doesn't end with the superhero, like saving the day and then right. cut, right? Like there's, uh, there's completion, right? The, the hero's journey is about separating from the world and going off and having this adventure that is wrought with, you know, troubles and tribulations and challenge and all of that. And, and calling on the people for wisdom that you know, and then they leave after they give you wisdom and you continue on and you do the thing and then you come back to your community changed and they receive you. Like that's the end of the story. That's the cycle. It's not that you, uh, like in a movie, like you go off on an adventure and then the movie cuts off, but like what, what now, what are they just on an adventure forever? Or they yeah. stay there yeah. and live a life there? Like there, <laughs> there needs to be the completion and that is like coming back and reuniting like you can see me come back into the room after Mm. the birth Mm -hmm. like the moment that I'm now I'm back here right gone and I'm back and then like you can see me acclimating to like I'm in my house I'm in my oh yeah I have a family I have people like I'm this is me I'm changed but this is me and I think to cut the the birth off and to act like a birth is about getting a baby out of a woman's body is part of what allows us to call women the vessel for a baby and not a woman who is experiencing something that is beyond holy. Mm. And yes, she's bringing a baby. Of course she is a vessel. It's her body. It's a sacred thing, but it's not when the baby is born, it doesn't mean that like, well, now the vessel is empty. So why bother focusing on it anymore? Yeah. Like, there's so much story that comes after. Mm. And I really appreciate that you, that you acknowledge that, that like so much of the birth story is, is what goes on right when it's over, right when the baby has been born, you know, yeah, like, the story is, it's still going and it's still really essential. Right. Right. Wow. Um, So this story, for those of you listening, if you have not Googled it, if you're not on the website right now, downloading, ready to stream it, and you're just waiting for this interview to end so you can go watch it, um, (laughs) These Are My Hours is the name of the documentary. Um, Emily Graham, the mama of the story, um, 
created by Scott Kirschenbaum. Um, you can go to thesearemyhours.com and we're going to have so many links and everything um, and talking about the the film more um, on our social media and things like that. So there'll be ways for you to get plugged in and find it. And um, what are you guys doing now? What's What's the story as it continues with These Are My Hours? Yes, our story is that we are hoping to bring the film to communities mm. starting this fall. So you can sign up to host a screening on our website if you visit there now. And we will be getting in touch with people as we plan out our screening schedule. Um, and yeah, we're hoping to bring the film to birth communities and to educational communities, colleges, sex ed. You know, we think that there are a lot of opportunity for conversation. Absolutely. So that's what's next. That's awesome. There absolutely is room for more conversation, more education around all of it. Um, Emily, I'm so grateful to you. I'm grateful to Scott. I'm grateful to you and your family for letting me borrow you for a while because you you have a lot going on. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you to all the kiddos and um, just so much uh, love and gratitude to you. We appreciate you too very much. It was my honor to be here. Quick note about the Doing It at Home podcast. Matthew and I are not doctors or medical professionals, and nothing we say should be taken as medical advice or opinion. If you have medical or health-related questions, please take them to a trained professional. We're here simply to entertain you with stories and conversations about pregnancy, birth, and parenthood. Does your father know you're listening to this podcast? Well, when you're done, why don't you stop by and check out a show that is 100% dad-approved. Datages. Hi there, I'm Chad Higgle. If you're looking for useful insights and practical advice you can actually apply to work, family, education, philanthropy, and just life in general, check out Datages. That's D A D A G E S, wherever you listen to your podcasts.